Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. Well, good morning. If you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to John's Gospel, Chapter 1. Yes, we were there last week. I know, I know, I know. And uh, next week, we will going to skip a few chapters. So I want to encourage you uh, to, in your own personal Bible study time and quiet time, to keep reading. Next week, we will be... Jumping ahead to John chapter 4 and looking at the woman at the well. So this morning, though, John chapter 1. A couple just brief comments before we look at God's Word this morning. I want to say uh, I love Joey Estes. What a blessing. You know, even when things don't go right, we just keep on singing. Keep on singing. I love it. Because that's what they would do in Malawi, Africa, right? Or the Dominican Republic or wherever. It's great that we have, and I'm so grateful for our media team and the person who gave for us to start to upgrade. This is our worship space. It's great to have the TVs. I actually can read the stuff on the screens now. Up here, it was kind of washing out, and I didn't have the right kind of glasses to be able to see. This is great. And these things are great, but they're not necessary. It's a privilege to have these kind of things, sound and this kind of stuff, but uh, we don't need it to worship God. We just need our voices and our hearts before Him. So, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm grateful to be here with you today. John chapter 1, last week we looked at just the first few verses. Uh, this week we're going to get into uh, the first person really that we have recorded uh, in the New Testament when Jesus begins His ministry, the first witness to Jesus Christ. And that person is John the Baptist. As I was thinking this week about witness, what is a witness? I came across uh, something that might help us get it in perspective about what a witness is. So watch this brief video clip here. It was a pretty bad accident. The victim trapped, drumming his fingers, waiting for the rescue. One false move in those live lines could mean serious trouble for that man. He finally emerges from the car manages to stand up, and he starts walking. Rescue crews got him a stretcher. They took him to the hospital to be checked out. And all the while, he's wearing his sunglasses and baseball cap. Guys do great work, huh? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do really good work. Now that driver expected to make a full recovery. Well, so you heard John and I describe what happened during the accident, but maybe we haven't given this story justice. Not compared to what you're about to hear. To better understand what happened, let's listen in to George Lindell. He was driving one of the cars involved in the collision that brought down those power poles. He tells the story in a way that no one else can. I was just minding my own business. Bam! 
hit me hard right from the back. I was glued to my seat. I was like, Whoa! I could see the car in front of me. I was about to hit him. So I kind of veered off this way. As I veered off this way, the guy who hit me veered off that other way. And he hit the curb, flipped over, rolled over, run into the electrical pole. And I didn't know he hit the pole. All of a sudden, I kind of stopped. And I was like, whoa. And uh, the wires come down. Boom. And then arc, arc, bam. That fire was coming everywhere. It was arcing, sparking, blowing up. I saw one arc, arc go from the corner of my van up to the car behind me. It was like a big rainbow. Boom. And it was coming up. Boom, boom. And I was like, yeah. So I, I opened up my door. I didn't touch no metal. And as I come up, I started to touch the top. And a little spark jumped up. I said, whoa. I, I stepped out the rest of the way. Lucky I didn't get burned more. So, crazy. Oh, it was crazy, dude. I was just sitting there, and I was like, boom. <laughs> Reality hits you hard, bro. Huh. So that's a witness for you. That's a witness. Uh, what is a witness? We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning as we look at uh, John the Baptist. So let's look at it together. Gospel of John, chapter 1. Here's, what we, here's where we start. Verse number 6. There came a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came for a witness that he might bear witness of the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came that he might bear witness of the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I have said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received in grace upon grace, for the Lord was given through Moses, the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Verse 19, and this is the witness of John, when the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, and he confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. And they said to him, who are you so that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as Isaiah the prophet said. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Uh, John's mother, Elizabeth, if you remember, and Jesus' mother, Mary, were friends, most probably cousins. You remember the story when they saw each other that uh, Jesus, inside of his mother, Mary, uh, leapt in her womb because of recognizing that, wow, Elizabeth was also pregnant. There was a man sent from God. So there's a few things I just wanted to share with you, observations, if you will. Uh, from these verses as we learn about John the Baptist this morning. The first one is this, John gave witness to Christ. What is a witness? Well, we read that John was sent from God to be a witness, not the light. He says up front, I'm not the light, 
I'm not Jesus, but I'm giving evidence of Jesus. I'm pointing to Jesus. I'm shining the light on Jesus. Some uh, people say that in this day, uh, after Jesus' life, when ministry went on, later on, that those people who maybe only saw part of the picture were only a part of Jesus' story at some point, or maybe they were only there for the baptism of Jesus, and then they started to follow John. There was a sect of people that started to follow John. And so maybe John said this to reinforce the fact that he's saying, I am not the light. I'm just putting a spotlight on the light. It's a reminder to us of our responsibility as children of God. We are not the light, but we are to shine a spotlight on the light who is Jesus. You probably know this. Uh, I didn't do too well at uh, biology. Any of those ologies, geology. Uh, I remember in geology, my freshman year at Gardner-Webb, about a week into class, the professor, we walked in and he had about 50 rocks on a table and he said, your test is to identify, pull out a piece of paper, number it 1 to 50, identify those rocks. I looked at my, my uh, watch and looked at my day timer and realized, wow, there's one more day that I can withdraw and still be able to do so Goodbye, Mr. Professor. Thank you so much. And I walked out of that class. Theologies are difficult for me, but if you're good at things like that, then you probably know that the moon has no ability to shine in and of itself. But somehow we see it every night. If the, if the skies are clear and the clouds are away, we see the moon shining. And it looks like it's shining, but it's really not shining. It's reflecting the light of the sun. And in much the same way, we as the disciples of Jesus are supposed to do the same thing. How are you doing it reflecting this week? John says he is not the light, but he's bearing witness of the light. Why is being a witness so powerful? You look at a guy like Mr. Lindell there after seeing that accident. He was so animated. Boom! About, about describing the accident. Uh, he did probably a pretty good job of explaining what happened because he was there. He saw it. He was a part of it. And when we are a witness for Jesus, a witness is powerful because a witness will establish truth on a matter. We have some of our friends here who are with us today who practice law. And in the court of law, when you have somebody come up on the platform and they used to put their hand on a Bible, I don't know if they do that anymore. They might still do that in the state of South Carolina. Most states don't even do that anymore. But when they come up and they swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth then you are assuming what that witness is going to say in the box as they answer questions that are submitted to them by the attorneys present that what they're going to say is truth. They are a witness to truth. And when you and I are disciples of Jesus, we are so the same. We establish truth. We give ground for faith. We also, uh, it makes us commit. I, I wrote down, you know by now, I write down my own personal notes as I'm studying and I wrote down this question, maybe this is just for me, maybe it's for you. Does the fact that I'm sometimes bashful about being a witness indicate a lack of commitment to Jesus? We're going to talk about that a little bit later when you get into the latter part of this chapter as it continues to describe who John was. But the first thing that we see here in this passage about John is John gave witness to Christ. The second thing that we see here is unfortunately Jesus was rejected by some. So I just want to give you a a money-back guarantee this morning. If you decide as a young person, adult, a parent, a grandparent, an older adult today, if you decide you're going to leave this building today and you're going to go out in the course of your week and you're going to be a witness for Jesus, I have some 
news for you, you are going to be rejected by some people. Did you, did you hear that? Because some people think, well, I come to Jesus and I go share that news and everybody wants to hear it. No, they do not. And even more so in our world, in our country, it's uh, becoming more and more where people do not, do not want to hear what you have to say. Especially if it contains anything that has to do about the gospel or anything about Jesus. And Jesus was rejected by some people. As a matter of fact, John's gospel says it this way. He was in the world, verse 10, and the world was made through him, but the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. He was rejected. We might translate those words when he came to his own, that he came home. The kind of Greek language there is talking about coming home. Jesus came back to his people, and he was rejected. Now that should make you feel good because I could probably bet that everybody sitting in this room today at some point in your life you have been rejected by somebody. Maybe it's a relative, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a grandparent, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a girlfriend, boyfriend. You've been rejected. Guess what? Jesus knows how you feel. Because he was rejected. He was rejected by his own people. He came to his own, but he was rejected. And when the word came to the world, when the word became flesh, we're going to look at it in a minute, and the word was revealed, Jesus was revealed, he came in the flesh, he came, some people described as an alien, to a world that did not receive him. They rejected him, they pushed him away. For a lot of reasons. Chief of which is that he was not what they were looking for in the Messiah. I was reminded this past week through some other things going on. It's, isn't it interesting? Our expectations sometimes, what we expect God to do, or the kind of people maybe even we expect God to use, is totally contrary to the way sometimes God chooses to do it. Because God likes to keep us surprised. He likes to keep us uh, on edge. He, Jesus is not predictable. That's one of the reasons he was not a big, the Jews didn't like him too much. Because he was always throwing curveballs. So he came to his own, but he was rejected. But there's some good news here that the gospel writer tells us in verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. So the good news is, some people received Jesus. And if you are a witness for Jesus and you go out into this world and you try to live for him and try to be a witness, as John is a witness, John the Baptist is a witness for Jesus, you're going to have some people reject you, but here's some good news, church. You're going to have some people that receive what you have to say. And I just want to give you some encouragement. We are hesitant to share our faith because we think the majority, yay, we may even think everybody that we would speak to about Jesus is going to reject him. But I will just tell you there are some people that are hungry for truth. There are some people that are hungry for life. There are some people that are looking for the truth of Jesus Christ. And they're waiting on you to be the witness of truth. There is a community of people right here in this area within, within shouting distance that are looking for truth and hope and life. 
And they're looking for the reality of Jesus Christ. Now, they may not know it's Jesus. They may be, as the great theologian Willie Nelson says, they may be looking for love in all the wrong places. They may not realize, wow, the love that I'm looking for is in Jesus. They may be trying in all these other places and they haven't, they haven't gotten to the bottom of the barrel yet to realize, wow, I really need Jesus. But the question is, will you and I be standing there waiting with the cup of cold water, standing there waiting with the truth of God, ready to give it to them when they get to the bottom of the barrel and they go, well, I've tried all this other stuff. Where is real hope? And you're able to step up and go, well, now that you've tried all that, can I tell you about Jesus Christ? He is received by some. Though some people did reject Jesus in his revelation, others received him. And the awesome thing, again, that's mind-blowing, just like last week's verses to me were mind-blowing, the awesome thing is that for those that receive Jesus, to those that say yes to Jesus and accept his free gift of salvation, to those people, God Almighty, through his son Jesus, gives them the right to become children of God. Amazing. So if you receive him, if you're here today and you say, wow, I, I've received Jesus, then I would say to you, you have received, as, as receiving him into your life, you have received the right to become a child of God. Let that sink in a little bit. Because our world tells us a lot of different things about how we receive forgiveness and how we receive uh, the righteousness of Christ and how we receive God's love. And in most of our North American culture, it's by what you do. It's called PBA, performance-based acceptance. I don't do what I do for Jesus, church family, to get his approval or to get his love. The things that I do now on this side of salvation as a child of God, I do to say, Abba, Father, Daddy, I love you. I worship you. I do this because I want to tell you I love you. Not to get your love because you've already given that to me as a free gift. It's nothing that you and I can do to earn it, to deserve it. All we have to do is receive it. And just like somebody giving you this water and you go, thank you so much, you receive it. At that point when you receive the gift of salvation, right then, you earn the right to become a child of God. It's not how much you give to the church, surprise, though you should be giving. It's not how often you're at church, though you should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Those things that we do are on this side of our salvation. We do those as a thank offering to Jesus and to God to say thank you, not to earn salvation or to earn His grace. We receive it. It's like an empty cup that we put under a flowing stream. And it just gets filled up. And we don't, we don't do anything. All of it is because of the, the glory of God and the goodness of God and the grace of God. We are born of God. And he says this in verse 12. He says, you have given the right, you've been given the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. What is he saying there? He's saying that you receive the grace of God freely. You're not born into it. Young people, let me ask you a question. Are you a Christian and a follower of Jesus because your mama, daddy, grandma, granddaddy are? Or are you a follower of Jesus because you have received the free gift of salvation from God? 
Trust me, there's a big difference. Nothing wrong with growing up in a great home, a Christian home. I grew up in one. And I thought all through my elementary and almost into my middle school years, I'd go to heaven because my mom and daddy knew Jesus. Nope, doesn't work that way. I have to receive the free gift of salvation, that gift of grace. I have to make that decision myself to receive it. So it's not by blood, not by physical blood, John the writer is saying. It's not by my flesh. It's not by me deciding. But it's by a free gift of God. It's awesome. Why can you receive? It brings another point as I'm reading this, another observation. I ask the question, why can I receive Christ? Why can any man, woman, boy, or girl receive Christ? They can receive Christ because of the goodness and the grace of God. Now let me just kind of take your defenses down a little bit because this should help you and should help me. I used to think as a witness... As John the Baptist is a witness for Jesus, I used to think if I was a witness for Jesus, that all the pressure was on me. And that if I was trying to witness to someone, if I didn't say the magic formula, or if I didn't do the right thing, then I could all of a sudden, they might choose not to follow Jesus. And as a result of my flawed witnessing, they may go to hell forever and ever. Guess what? You don't have that much power. Neither do I. It's not because of how good I do as a witness. It's not because of my gospel presentation. It's not because of the ABCs. It's not because of the Romans road. It's not because of any track, any way that we share our faith, that we communicate right or we miscommunicate, that someone comes to Christ or doesn't come to Christ. The only way they come to Christ is the free gift of grace of Jesus. So take the pressure off. Some of us are quiet and we don't talk about our faith a little bit because we're afraid if I talk about it, they're going to ask me questions. And what if I don't know the answer to the question? And then that person is going to walk away from the church. You need to be educated. You need to read your Bible. You need to not just come here from the pastor. You need to read your Bible yourself and study for yourself. You need to be prepared. Timothy talked about this to be, to study the word, to show thyself approved, to be a, a, a person who's knowledgeable about the scripture. Yes. But it's not all about that. It's not because of my great uh, oratory. Is that a word? That's not even a word, is it? I just made it up. It's a word now. It's not a, it is a word. Luke, uh, I was saying it is a word. Thank you, teacher. Thank you, educator. I feel, I feel approved now. It's not because I know how to speak eloquently and I don't. I remember witnessing one time in the mountains of Kentucky. I think I was probably 19 years old and I'm sharing Christ with this other young person, probably similar to my age, 15, 16, and I go through the whole spiel that I've memorized and everything, and I'm so nervous, I'm sweating in places I didn't know you could sweat, and I'm, I'm thinking if I blow it, this person's going to say no to Jesus, and they're going to spend eternity in hell, and God's going to look at me and go, you messed up! And I'm sharing the whole plan of salvation with them about how to come to Jesus. And I think I even said at the end of it, you don't really want to accept and receive the goodness of grace, do you? Thinking they would go, no. And I would just be off the hook and they would walk away. And they're like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And I was like, wow. I mean, think about it. If, if we really present the gospel, the good news, if we really present it the way it 
that it should be presented, so to speak, the, the, the factual information of the good news, the fact that we are walking away from God, we're sinners, the only way that we can spend eternity with God is through His Son, Jesus Christ, who will give us not just eternal life, by the way, eternal life is not just spending eternity with heaven, eternal life starts right now on this planet when you say yes to Jesus. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundant, but you've got to wait till you get to heaven. That's not what he said. So if we communicate that, the truth of the gospel to people, I am flabbergasted actually that anybody in their right mind would say no. So if they say no, then you just kind of say, all right, I keep praying for you doesn't mean you disown them. It doesn't mean if you're friends with them that you quit being friends with them because your friendship could actually be what leads them to follow Jesus. We'll talk about that in a minute. So how do we receive? Why can we receive? We receive because of the goodness of God. Matter of fact, John says it this way. Here's why we can receive. Because there almost could be that word. There's the word and in our translation. But there almost could be the word because. So let me go back up to verse 12. Let's read it that way. But as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What's John the writer saying? He's saying we could try in our attempt to reach God, to do all these things, By the way we perform, how high we jump, how fast we run, how many scriptures we know, how many sermons we've heard. We can do all those things. But we would never be able to earn or be righteous enough to reach God. So what did God do instead of us? Because we couldn't reach up to God. God said, I'm going to send Jesus down to you. He came down in flesh and he dwelt among us. This is probably so far in The gospel writer's account, we're only in chapter 1, I know. But so far, this is maybe the most startling statement that John could ever write. Because it would have blown away the minds of Jewish people and Greek philosophers and Greek thinking people alike to hear that, wait a minute, you told us just a few minutes ago that the word that we've been looking for, the logos, the thing that keeps order in the world, that keeps the cosmos in order, you're telling us it's not Zeus, it's not Apollo, it's not some god. You're telling us that that god that did that is Jesus Christ. Okay, mind blown. Now you're getting ready to tell us that that same almighty, all-powerful God through Jesus Christ came down on planet Earth. Wait a minute. God reduced himself, is how they were thinking, to come down. That's how the Jews thought. The Jews thought, when they heard this statement from John, okay, because they thought of God so high, they thought, wow, for the word to become flesh and to dwell among us, the reason they had a hard time accepting that is because they didn't think the word Logos could come down in human form, which is why they're still trying to figure out how can this man who says he's Jesus, who says later on will say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, this man who says he's Jesus, how in the world can he be the Messiah? And the Greeks usually thought of God way too low because they had their gods like Zeus and Hermes and these super men. 
And so John is telling the Greek, the Greek thinkers and the Greek writers, the Logos that, you, that I've been talking about, that you know made and ordered the universe, actually came down in the flesh. Amazing. And church family, if you don't know that, and I would just say, if you don't believe that, that's the very essence and the heart, if you will, of Christianity. God Almighty loved you and I enough that he sent the big spiritual word, his incarnation. He sent a representation of himself, God in the flesh, Jesus in the flesh, God in a body, if I can say it that way, Jesus representing God, God with skin on that God loved you so much, he sent a representation. Okay, I'm going to come down and live among you. Don't ask me to explain it. I told you last week I can't... I can't comprehend it. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, which I believe to be true, by the way. The Word became flesh. And then it goes on to say this. John says this, and dwelt among us. It actually literally is more, more to the point would say, He dwelt in a tent among us. And the reason it, He would have said it that way is because for the Old Testament thought in the Old Testament thinkers to remind them that Jesus, the coming of Jesus to humanity, would remind them of the fact that God represented himself and came to them in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. So he says, Jesus came in the flesh. He became flesh and dwelt among us. The tabernacle, if you remember in the Old Testament, was a lot of things to Jesus, or a lot of things to the people. It was the center of Israel's camp. It was a place where the law of Moses was preserved. It was a place of, re- of revelation. It was a place where sacrifices were made. It was a center of Israel's worship. So John is saying here in a sense, hey, he came down, he came in the flesh, he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And beheld, as we heard Connie sing about this morning, behold the lamb. It's stronger than the words see or I saw, or I looked at something as a passing thought. I beheld the newspaper. I beheld the magazine. I'm, that's not beheld. That's, I skimmed it. I glanced at it. I looked at it. Beheld here when, when he is saying, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, means we carefully studied the glory of the word of God in the flesh among us. It's God. It's God Almighty among us is what he's saying. We, we carefully studied who he is. This is Jesus. I love that. Full of grace and truth. What's another observation I say quickly? I see this again. John bore witness. Well, of course. Of course he bore witness. He said that already. Well, guess what? He says it again at verse 19. I, I'm a slow person. I'm, I, I'm a slow. It takes me a while. So I like it when the Bible is repetitive. Because it reminds me, okay, wait a minute, I think I heard this before. And it makes me kind of stand up and take notice. And so he's already said, John, the gospel writer, says in verse 7, he came for a witness that he might bear witness. And if you missed it, he says again in verse 19, and this is the witness of John when the Jews sent to him priests and Levites. So he starts talking about being a witness again. Verse 15, he says it, I guess that's the third time. John bore witness of him. How did he bear witness? Well, let's talk about that quickly. What does a witness look like is some of the things that I thought about this week. John bore witness of him. He cried out. 
saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. He's giving a testimony. Church, you'll you'll know it's been several months, and I I feel like I, I... I did a disservice. I didn't hold our feet to the fire on this, so we're going to go back to it. Where we had a time where we talked a lot about people's testimony. We had people up here sharing testimony. The reason testimonies are powerful is because it's what happened to you. You're a witness of what God has done in and through you. Nobody can deny that. People can say it didn't happen or you misinterpreted that or this or that or the other. But if it happened to you, you know it happened to you. Much like Mr. Lindell on the screen right there. Boom, boom, I was sideways, woo. I mean, he went crazy. It happened to him. And we're watching that and we laugh, but we weren't in the car that got hit. We weren't him being slung all over the road by whatever happened in that accident. Your testimony is important. Every person in here, your testimony is important. Some of you feel like, well, Pastor Jack, I don't really have a, a radical testimony. I, don't, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't rob a bank. I didn't blah, blah, blah. And then magically, you know, all of a sudden Jesus came into my life and there was this huge difference. Listen, study the book of Ephesians. We studied that book together. Whether you've robbed a bank or you grew up in church all your life and then you came to faith in Jesus, there's a stark contrast, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, of being in the darkness and then being in the light. And if that transformation has happened in your life, you have a testimony and you can be a witness. Church, I love you. I'm getting ready to get up in your grill and in your face and in your seat. Hang on. If you don't have a testimony... If there is no difference between darkness and light in your life, dear friend, you are not saved. You're not a child of God. You don't know Jesus. I love you so much that I'm going to tell you the truth. You can be a church member. You can have your name on the Crossroads Baptist Road. Been here 50 years. You can be the highest financial giver in this church. But if you don't know Jesus, if you've not moved from light or from darkness to light, you don't have a relationship with God. I look at a lot of the chaos going on in churches across our land, and my, my personal opinion is the reason a lot of it's going on is because we have a lot of lost people making, trying to make godly decisions for Jesus, and you can't do it when you're a lost person. Say, so, man, you're awfully passionate. I'm passionate because I was one of those people. And I sat in a church, and I sat in a seat, and I'd been baptized, dunked, filled out a card, had my name on the roll, and I would have busted hell wide open until somebody sat me down and said, you've gone through all the motions, but I love you enough to ask you this question. Have you ever moved from darkness to light? And I started looking at my life and realizing there's no difference. 17 years old, in a seat at Anderson University at a youth crusade, I fell on the ground weeping like a baby going, God, I've been playing this game, this church game, but I've never stepped from darkness to light. Man, if that's you, I love you enough that I want to tell you the truth. Coming to church don't make you a Christian any more than hanging out at McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. But doesn't. I'm glad you're here. Maybe it's hard to be a witness because you look at your life and you're going, there's really not a big difference. And again, if you've grown up in church, I grew up in church. I hadn't killed anybody, I hadn't robbed anybody, I hadn't done a lot of bad stuff when I came to Jesus, but I was in darkness, I was a sinner, I was separated from God. 
And when I received, there's nothing that I did. There's no, no thing that I had to do. There's nothing that I could do other than to receive the gift of grace from Jesus. When I received that gift of grace from Jesus, all of a sudden, light. And I realized, wow. <laughs> what took me so long? How could, I, how could I turn my back on? How, how could I neglect, as the writer goes on to say, I think it's next week, how could I neglect such a great salvation? I think the reason a lot of people, church, don't want to have anything to do with the church, not crossroads, we, we are exceptional. Let's not let it get to our head when I say that. Because we got room to improve. I have room to improve. But I think a reason a lot of people out there, and I spoke to another 25-year-old person who said this to me this past week, a reason a lot of people out there don't want to come in here. You want to know? I'm going to give you, uh, surveys have been done on this. They've spent multi-millions of dollars to come up with the answer. I'm going to give it to you for free. You don't even have to pay for it. The reason they don't come in here, generally speaking, are in in church buildings across the land. Here's what they say. I see no difference in people in there. The people out here at the bar I'm with on Friday night. And I can't argue with that. Except to say, dear friend, as I said to this friend, let me tell you my testimony and what Jesus means to me. I can't speak for the people in that church or that church or in that place or that place that may be living for God and maybe not. But I can speak for me. And part of the challenge, I think, in our world is hearing the word Christian. Because everybody thinks if they're born in the USA, that they're a Christian. No. If you're born in a Christian home or you're born in the South, so I, I can't I can't tell you how to witness this morning. When I witness the people, I don't tell them I'm a churchgoer. I don't tell them I'm a Christian. I don't tell them, unfortunately, because this word has even got watered down, that I'm a disciple. Say, so how in the world do you communicate what you're doing? I simply say to them, friend, I am following Jesus Christ to the best of my ability. So John tried to bear witness. He cried out telling people about Jesus. The last thing I observe in this passage of Scripture is the same thing that's going to happen in your life and mine. His testimony was questioned by people. What did they say to him? He confesses to them. He says, I am not the Christ, verse 20. He's already said, I'm shining the light on Christ. I'm not the light. I'm not the Christ. And then, then they start asking questions. Well, who are you? (laughs) Who are you then? Are you Elijah? I'm not, he said. Are you the prophet? No, I'm not. Well, then who are you, verse 22? Who are you? 
So we can give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And if you know anything about, this is the first time, by the way, too, in any of the Gospels, John refers to it the first time he's ever said where he uses the word the Jews, describing not the whole Jewish culture, but a specific group of people that he's talking about. John the writer, who's he talking about? The religious people. And they came to give a report. What's going on? There's this guy, he's out baptizing this other guy and they're speaking all this spiritual mumbo jumbo look out what's getting ready to happen and so they start to question him which tells me this if you stand out and stand up and you want to be called a follower of Jesus get ready for the questions they are coming do not be surprised they are coming when it gets out at school when it gets out at work that you are a follower of Jesus, the questions, they are coming, get ready. This is your notice. Be prepared to have an answer for a defense of your faith. Be prepared. The questions are coming. It's not going to surprise me if in the next few weeks, the next few months, there will be news reporters hitting churches all over our area, maybe even coming by the office and saying, we want to speak to the pastor or one of the pastors. We have a question about what's going on in our culture, whether it's politically or culturally. I remember, I think it was probably about seven years from now, Lynette will have to remind me, when we started, attempted, learned a lot, to start a church plant here in the Five Forks area. And I'll close with this story because we're out of time. And not too long after we kind of put out that we were going to do that, I got a phone call. And it was from a particular group, didn't even know they existed here in our area. And they wanted to know certain things about, were we going to affirm this? Are we going to affirm that? Are we going to speak up for this group of people or speak up for that group of people? And much like John's answer, all I said was, all I can tell you is we're going to talk about what the Scriptures have to say and we're going to follow Jesus. And they went, click. You want to you get people quiet really quick? Just mention the name Jesus. See, they're going to ask a lot of questions as they did about, well, who are you? Now, are you Elijah? Are you one of the, tell us about Elijah. One of the, and, and John just, I mean, he was a genius. John the Baptist was a genius. To quiet all that down, he's like, I'm not going to answer all that stuff. I'm shining the light on Jesus. Would you pray with me, Father? Thank you for today. Thank you for speaking to my heart today. Thank you, God. Because of the grace of Jesus that I've received, I have the right to become a child of God. And church, as you're praying right there in your seat, I, I would just ask you, maybe as part of, I would invite you as part of the invitation this morning, if you know Jesus, maybe you just take a few seconds right there in your seat and say, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, that I've received from you. The free gift of grace. Because of that, I am a child of God. I believe many of you are praying that prayer right now, that prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord. But you may be here today and you may, be, you may have been here for years. You may be visiting today. If you're visiting, we're so glad you're here. And maybe you'd say, you know what, I, I have never received free gift of Jesus. 
Maybe your name is even on the church row. Maybe you've been baptized, but you'd say, Pastor, I've never received the free gift of Jesus. I want to do that. How do I do that? Figuratively, I guess, in a sense, you just kind of open up your hand, you open up your heart, and you say, Lord, I, I receive. I call upon the name of the Lord, and you'll be saved. And if that's you today and you're in this place and you say, I need, I'm in need of Jesus, I'm, I, I call on him right now. I want to encourage you just to, again to do that right there in the privacy of your seat. Say, Lord, I confess I need you. I receive you today. Thank you because I receive you, I'm a child of God. Friend, if you did that this morning, I can't think of a better group of people to let know that's the decision of your heart than this group that you're with today. Just a minute, we're going to stand, we're going to sing a song of invitation, a closing song. And when we do, I I know it's kind of scary and you may be nervous. I want to encourage you if, you, if you want, just to slip out of that seat and come down here and grab my hand. Or I'm going to ask my friend Heath or Corey to stand here with me. And if you want to grab their hand and just say, I, I received the Lord today. We'd love to pray with you and encourage you. Maybe you've got another need today. Maybe you just need prayer. You're struggling or there's something else going on in your life that only the Lord's aware of. This altar is open. Maybe today you've been visiting for some time and you're saying, I want to put my roots down in this church called Crossroads. This is a place I want to grow. This is a place I want to learn how to be a witness for Christ. And I want to invite you to come and let me know. I would love to welcome you here today. Father, have your way during this service, during this invitation time. Thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing together? Joey's going to lead us in our song of invitation. You respond as God leads you today. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.